Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, welcome to a surprise Utabia. We weren't sure if we were going to do one over the Christmas period. I say do one. Well, our <laughs> caveat was... If there's anything to talk about from the Forest game, we'll do one. If <laughs> yeah. not, we won't. Yeah, and uh, I think it's fair to say there was plenty to talk about from that game, wasn't there, David Hartrick? <laughs> yeah, there was one or two. Uh, well, there was one or two instances we should cover, really. Yeah. So where should we start? Should we go with the Argie Bargy, which I believe is short for argument bargument? Yeah. If Pete Serafinowicz is to be believed. No. Or I, should we go with the goals and the performance? I think you've got to start with the Argie Bargy, and I think you've got to say. Nobody likes to see that, knowing that everybody likes to see that. Yeah. Though, but it was from about half an hour. It was a weirdly feisty game, um, and I was sort of thinking back. And I don't think there's a massive history between Town and Forest. I know there's been one or two tight games and what have you, but yeah, they Forest were getting Forest seemed to be upset that they would kick somebody really, really hard who would then go down in pain and a physio would have to come on and that seemed to annoy them. Mm. And we know the Cowley special. We know he likes a physio <laughs> on once a half so he can chat to his defence in particular usually. Yeah. But, I mean, genuinely, there was there were a few fairly rough challenges flying in. Wasn't yeah. There? There were more, yeah, more than a couple. I mean... Yeah, I mean, Carlin Grant had his boot taken off at one point. Yeah. Um, obviously, Jonathan Hogg was pushed through the advertising audience. That it wasn't nasty. That it was. It was a shoulder no, to shoulder. No, it, I think the thing is, though, I think with that one, that's one of those classic bits of we keep this clean, so I'll say poo housery, um, <laughs> where the player knows he's running at full pelt off the pitch and he just gets that classic little nudge in the back mm. that just sends him then out of control. So I know it's like it's one of those things that never really gets punished in football, but it's mm. it's actually genuinely for me one of the one of the worst things in football. Liverpool's full backs do it all the time. They're constantly yeah. pushing players into the that, like well, physically pushing them into the That's what got Sterling so fired up in the Liverpool Man City game yeah, earlier this season yeah. with Gomez like and I that was far worse, actually, yeah, than Hoggies. Yeah. yeah, as I say, Hoggies, it was two players shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. And it just happened that he ended up yeah. going through that hoarding. But like then there Roman was, Reigns uh, and speared him. And the, the poor ball boy behind that, that hoarding yeah, as well. Yeah, the, the, I mean, the ball boy did quite well out of it in the end by the sounds of it. He got a trip to the dressing room and a signed shirt and the yeah. football, didn't he, from the game, which is a lovely touch from... And I believe that was actually instigated by Jonathan Hogg, so that's a, that's that a great great uh, moment to come out of it but there was also the Watson tackle on Hogg which I said to somebody on Twitter on Saturday night that I thought it was an orange card Mm. because I thought it was a foul I thought it was out of control but I think it was one of them where the the intention wasn't there to tackle like that like you thought I thought he stumbled into it yeah I think he I think he lost his foot in a little bit I I don't think he meant it he was he was going I'd said 
I said on Twitter I thought it was he was going in for a fair tackle. He wasn't. He yeah. was going in from behind. So I, a, a booking was probably right to be yeah, fair. Yeah, it, it ended up as you say, it ended up looking worse than it was because he lost his footing. Yeah, he went in to make that challenge and ended up sort of. It, it's one. It's one of them that looks far worse than it actually is. And uh, if he'd been given a red card for that, I don't think anybody would have complained. Put yeah. it that way. But at the same time, I think yeah, it's probably an orange card. Yeah, she classic sin being offence, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And I don't think. I mean, the Swansea game. We we talked a lot about the referee after that game, and I'm really loath to talk about referees, as as you'll know. But the referee in that Swansea game was was horrendous. It oh, wasn't a situation yeah. like that, though. No. There wasn't really much the referee could do. The, the he did ref, everything he could. The ref kept quite a lid on it. But, I, I mean, I said to I said to my analyst at Opta at half-time, I said five yellow cards in this half because there was one in the first. But you could just see the amount of players he'd given a final warning to. Yeah. Hoggy, Chalabar... Uh, Bakuna on the town side and about four Forest players, mm. but the the half time coming together that we were in the press conference afterwards and Danny Cowley said you know he told him to manage one of his members of staff. Mm. He, he did tell him to manage one of his members of staff, but perhaps not quite as politely as because <laughs> I was I was watching it. Part of my brief for the game is that I have to keep my eyes on the game, but I have to keep my eyes on everything else that is not being captured by cameras. For Opta, and you could see that flare up coming for a good two minutes before. And at one point, um, the forest manager was sort of shouting at Danny Cowley, and he sort of turned his back on him and was just telling him to sit down. And you could see something were going to kick off. And then at half time, to be fair, I think the two managers were both just not having a coming together, but I think they were both saying you stay in your area, I'll stay in mine. I don't think yeah. there's anything more than that. Problem was, then we get into the tunnel and Hudson, I think... It's Hudson and Dawson, Michael Dawson. Yeah, the forest I, I think and, Hudson and was trying to defend his manager and probably said something. Then Dawson comes flying in and walls him up and you can see in the video, I think Hudson laughs at him. He does, yeah. Then it just goes, stewards, police, everybody in the tunnel. Some of the players walking off, you could see as well, it, it wasn't a massive flashpoint because some of the players were literally just trying to get to the changing room. Yeah. You could see they were annoyed as well. <laughs> just yeah. let me get to the changing room. <laughs> so there was, there was, yeah, there was a bit there. But then second half, I was quite surprised that it only really boiled over once and that was the instant right at the end where there was a bit of pushing and shoving but it didn't come to it. And then we get to the final whistle and Ben Watson just lost it. Yeah. Absolutely lost it. And... Again, the coaching staff come together. Danny Cowley said he was trying to break it up at that point because I think I've only seen a little bit of footage once. Yeah, I've seen the half-time one, yeah, but, but I haven't not, seen the full-time one. I think Watson's trying to get to Nicky Cowley. Yeah. So Danny's over to defend his brother and then people are... It's one of them where everybody is so concerned with trying to stop something happening that they don't realise they're all bumping together in a melee and it's actually making it <laughs> yeah. happen. And, yeah, there, there are reports that Watson threw a punch. I didn't see no, that live I didn't and see I that. didn't I, see that on the... I was keeping quite a close eye on Watson. I didn't I didn't see a punch yeah. thrown. He was sort of... he was re, There was someone holding him back and he was sort of reaching over, but I didn't see him. Yeah, and point. the other thing is he went from naught to 100, then back to naught because he flew out. I think he was trying to get a Nicky Cowley and then I think he realised, hang on, I could be in trouble here. And he then started shoving people out of the way so he could go and shake Danny Cowley's hand. Yeah. So I think he realised. 
But it was, yeah. It I mean, was, he's an experienced player, Ben Watson, isn't he? Yeah. He's, you know. And he plays on the edge. He always yeah. has, you know, that's... Since that's he was at Wigan, yeah. Yeah, that's his... That's what he does. Nothing wrong with that. You know, we can't sit here on a Huddersfield Town podcast <laughs> with Bakuna and Oggy and a couple of others, let's be honest. Yeah. I'd say there's anything wrong with that. But, yeah, it was just a really... Like, I never thought there'd be any hint of that. And it turned mm. into, yeah, quite a... You know, challenges flying in. But the other thing was, off the ball, I don't know if you notice it, because you're live blogging it and it's difficult because you've got to stay out with the action. Yeah, I mean, th- this game, normally every every live blog, it's normally we do an update every sort of three to ten minutes. And yeah. it was literally, if you go back and look at it, it's something every two to three yeah. minutes on Saturday. And, you know, like off the ball, Kuchunga and um, Kima on that mm. side, just constantly having a go at each other. And, I mean, he got... He got Dumped on his ass a couple of times, Kachunga. Quite, and I mean, one of there were, I think, two of them went unchallenged, and he stayed down from them, and he had to have the physio, and he got a rough ride, Kachunga. Yeah, he really did, and he did very, very well. Not, to, I think, if that had been probably one of five or six other players on the pitch, mm-hmm. he would have gone in two-footed at some point and just lost it. But Town, I thought, were fairly magnificent in both. The way they kept their head and also their gamesmanship because we talked after the Preston game, didn't we, about mm. them needing to be cuter. Yeah, because Preston, Preston was almost the opposite game because th- their roles were reversed basically because Preston were at home and they, they poo-housed Town yeah. <laughs> off the park and Town lost it and, yeah. and, and reacted and, and did what For- basically did what Forrest did yeah. um, and just lost their heads and, yeah. were, you know... So, and they seem to have learned from that, I think. That yeah. it's, it's been every game they've sort of been going, with the maybe the exception, obviously, of, of Bristol, they've been sort of amping that yeah. up, particularly at home. We spoke about it after the Blackburn and Brentford game, uh, Blackburn and Brentford games, yeah. that they were just starting to learn to play the opposition at their own game mm. a little bit, but also, you know... Things like time-wasting, slowing the game down, little tactical foul here and there. Like it or not, that's football. <laughs> yeah, you, You've always pinpointed that Millwall game as the game where mm. they were like, right, that's it, we, we're going to have to start yeah. doing this ourselves. Yeah, Abs- absolutely. And you can see that, I mean, I don't know how you work on it on training, mm. but you could see there are certain patterns there. And, yeah, you know, you, you have to do it. Because there must be a signal of some kind. To, yeah, 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 and I, I'm sure when the physio goes on, I'm sure there's, they know instantly whether this is mm. a time, you know, time to have a quick chat with the defence or whether somebody is seriously injured. They'll know within yeah. five seconds. Yeah, but again, there's nothing wrong with it. No, <laughs> it's a, it's a tough division with tough teams. These are the things you have to do, and you, what you have to do is you just have to be. Sp- smart with it particularly the position town we're in and, and where yeah. they've come from like they absolutely needed that I mean it's incredible the way that those kinds of games now you feel like if it if it turns into that kind of game it actually favours town yeah absolutely, which a few yeah. weeks ago you never would have said like well, before Dan, Danny Carley came here yeah you I never was would have said that I, I was uh, listening to some early podcasts we did for research for something and we were even talking after the the derby game about town having to learn how to play in this division again yeah how to play the referee how to play the opposition yeah how not to what, get wound up yeah, yeah what hurts them and everything and yeah it's 
it's good to see that even though they've got sort of a couple of leaders out the team at the moment and they are a bit of a scratch side they're they've, they've learned and like if that's your team if you're the home team and you're doing it you absolutely love to see that crowd if that's the other side you hate it and you get on the back that's football you know yeah. we're all hypocrites we all do it but that's exactly what town needed to do because particularly first half there was that spell sort of five probably five to 15 minutes where Forrest were really getting a lot of joy and started yeah. to carve them open the gap between that four in midfield and that four in defense mm. Forrest were just dropping people yeah, into it getting forward so often yeah well they were dropping people into it and towns midfielders didn't know whether to drop back with a man or the defenders to push up so then that meant more gaps kept appearing wide mm. because they didn't know what they were doing and it looked at one point like yeah oh no town are going to go one nil down here and then it could be two nil very very quickly mm. if they don't sort themselves out but again it, it's just about slowing the game down it's about yeah. stopping that rhythm and that's what town did and it took until i think the 90th minute mm. or the 96th minute it was even when grabara went down on the ball like yeah. seized across from a corner yeah and then sort of dropped on the ball as keepers do when they try to kill time yeah and loads of forest players would you know a couple of first players went over and were like, "Go oh, get up and yeah. shouting at him. Yeah. And Lewis Graben actually went, there was a bit of a flashpoint there, and Lewis yeah. Graben, the Forest striker, actually went over to his own teammates and was pushing them back yeah. and just being like, don't fall for it. Yeah. Just get back in position yeah. and we'll receive the kick. Like, yeah. what are you doing? Like, we're, yeah. we're, we've only got seconds to play in you. That's that's what you want to see. That's yeah. what you want to see. Yeah. You know, it's... it's it, Like I said, it's, it's hypocritical because when the other team does it, you just sit there going out of your mind but yeah. it's where town are at the moment we spoke last week about where town are and is this the best you can possibly expect at the moment and Saturday really was that again really it was the they played the game the best way they could and got got the result ultimately yeah I mean it was a good time to play Forest. We, we're in a chat with Dan Story aren't we the Forest, yeah. he's a Forest fan and he's he really wasn't expecting anything out of that game and, and he didn't get it which is no, but delicious he, to see yes but his uh, <laughs> default position as a football fan is exactly the same as mine which is pessimism so I, I you know he never expects Forrest to win any game but <laughs> I, I said to you before the start this suddenly feels like a draw suddenly mm. feels like a bit but of 1-1 I thought yeah I thought all week up to the game and on the day even at half time I was saying this is 1-1 all over the yeah. So I'm, I'm glad I was wrong because, but they, like that forest attack, Joe Lolly, I, I thought was brilliant, you yeah. know. But nobody was sort of reading him or reading his runs or reading his passes. And like you look at that forest team and that first team squad, they've got loads of really really good players, but it's just like a island of misfit toys that don't quite fit together. Or mm. and I, I'm sure there's a very good team in Forest. But they are easy to wind up. They are easy to slow down. They are easy to knock out of the rhythm. Uh, they are easy to stop playing. And you got to credit the manager for doing his homework because also I thought Town won the one-on-one -on -one battles on Saturday yeah. all over the pitch. And usually you can afford to lose a couple and still win. But they, I literally thought position for position... 
I thought Joe Lolly came into the game at the end, but he was it was more out of desperation than mm. he was the only one who seemed to realise. Yeah. Hang on, we're two 0 down, and we've got to get some urgency into this game. And even he was having, he was getting frustrated with himself because he overhit a few crosses. Try, yeah, he? he was trying to do it all himself, wasn't yeah. he? And that's again, that's winning the one-on-one battle. That's getting mm-hmm. into his mind. So, yeah, again, you got to credit the managers really for for picking the right team. Yeah. Given what they had, Bakuna on the left, I thought worked really well. Yeah, um, I wouldn't want to see it longer term. No. But I thought for this particular game, given I that they got no left footers, yeah. and yeah, I thought it it worked fine really. But it's interesting the the systems that they used because mm. they started in a very strict four four two, and it really was line of four, line of four, line of two. Yeah, and then they went, you know, I passed you a note and said they've gone to basically like a 4-2-2-2 two, two, two yeah. in attack. And then as soon as they lose it, they go back into those lines. Mm. Then we had a 4-4-1-1 four, four, one, one at one point with yeah. Grant switched to the left and Bakuna playing. Briefly the, late on, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's the second strike. And then they finished in a 4-5-1 with Flow in central midfield. <laughs> so again, it shows the manager, he's he's a very reactive manager. You yeah. know, he's he's constantly looking at the situation and I don't know if you saw but for a good chunk at the end of that game all four of the coaching staff were stood up together just in a constant huddle basically and they would one of them would split out it usually Nicky because of his whistle one of the best things in football Nicky Cowley's whistle I thought it was Danny with the whistle no it's Nicky it's Nicky Um, call out give the instruction, go back into the huddle, decide on the next course of action. And, you know, Huddersfield Town fans have got to realise not every manager is like that. Not yeah. not every manager can do that. Oh, and yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's, I hate to use a horrible business term, but it's 3D thinking. It's being <laughs> able to see the the whole pitch and understand the battles and where the, the space and the action is. And I thought, yeah, I, it was a real manager's performance, I thought, Saturday. Yeah, it was really, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, one of Jan's great weaknesses was his substitutions never paid off. Ever. He complete opposite. He's a passive yeah. manager. He yeah. tells his team how he wants them to play at the start and sticks to it rigidly, yeah. regardless how it's going. Yeah. Whereas Danny Cowley, I, I genuinely think he, if a four four two wasn't working five minutes in, he will switch it five minutes in yeah. if he wants to. Interestingly, for all those changes of shape, and there have been a few changes of shape over the past few games as well. He's never gone back to the four three three. I think I think he's lot after Preston. I think he's decided that's it because yeah. he, he, when he first came in, he stuck basically with Jan's four three three, which we were surprised yeah, with. And very. and they did and they did that seven game unbeaten run they had. They played it a few times and they did well with it. But I mm. think I think he I think the main problem with it is it doesn't suit Chalibur we, at all. Yeah, and we were critical of it. Yeah, we said give the players something different to think about because mm-hmm. this is the system that hasn't been working yeah and one or two of those games they sort of stumbled over the line one way or another mm. um and yeah you know again it but it just shows the sort of the courage of the manager in his own convictions to say well if it's not working this is how i'm gonna you yeah. know this is how this is what i'm gonna do and a four four two won't get you success in this division longer term but when you have you know three or four key injuries and three or four players unavailable shall mm-hmm. we say and you're having to play some round pegs in square holes and the other way round you've got to do what you do don't you yeah I mean he, he literally explained after Wigan I think mm. we talked about this last week as well that 
uh, they they liked Mounier with because they've only got the eleven right footers. Mm. At least with Mounier, you can you can hit it long to him. If you can't mm. get it from side to side, at least you can go long to him. Yeah. And I mean, he won. There were twenty four headers that town or twenty four aerial duels that town won in that game, and Mounier won half of them. Yeah. And was played a vital part in both goals. Obviously, scored the second. Mm. The first one that came in, it was him that headed it back across for Chalaba to begin with. Yeah. Chalaba hit it. It was blocked by I think it was Watson, and then yeah. Schindler smashed it in. The first two goals that Town have scored from corners all season. First two, yeah. first goals they've scored from corners since uh, West Ham I, last it, season. Again, though, I don't think that's coincidence. No, I think there were some weaknesses identified because the the run that Mounier made for the second to get free was clearly something they'd been working on because it's the two step forwards and then just a semicircular run round the back of the defender. Mm-hmm. There's obviously some sort of signal going on. Um, and it was a good header, ultimately. Yeah, it was really the, powerful. The first goal, Schindler's finish, is one <laughs> of them that, as somebody who's played as a striker for years and years, it's one of those goals that it looks brilliant, it is brilliant, but you, you just... You just swing your foot at it. Yeah, you? you don't have any time to think about it. And they're often... I know it sounds counterintuitive, but they're often easier... Mm. <laughs> Then when you do have any time to think about it, because that's when the really good players and finishers come into it. And yeah, you know, Schindler gets onto it, great finish, right into the postage stamp, which is an expression Danny Cowley now understands. I <laughs> it's in the top right corner, not the yeah, top. Yeah, he did yeah. allude to that in the presser. Um, but he'd had some criticism for saying that about Carlan's goal against Wigan. Yeah, it was the wrong side. But um, yeah, it was it was a really good goal and. You know, again, I come back to it. If you you score twice from a set piece, it's not a coincidence usually. And and they've been going for that back post delivery mm. for weeks because there were a few when Alex Pritchard was fit. he, yeah. he swung in a three. He, he I think three times in two games. He yeah. hit it and it went out at the far side. And Cowley did admit afterwards that they'd been a bit disappointed with, well, pretty disappointed with the deliveries and with the the work, the yeah. physicality in the box. But they actually got it right on Saturday for the first time. It, and. Grant's corners are getting so much better. Yeah. <laughs> He's obviously working on it. And when Pritchard comes back into the side, I assume Pritchard will take over yeah. to corner duties again. But, uh, you know, I don't, I, I hate, I don't want to bring up somebody who wasn't playing. But again, it's just another reminder that Pritchard really has got to bring it up a level, you know. Because mm. um, the, the, Last of those corners he overhit, if you remember, was quite late on in the game, and yeah. it was it was basically Town's last opportunity to do something, and he put it straight out of play. So yeah, he's he he's got a lot on his plate, Pritchard. I think. I mean, don't get me wrong, they would love him back in the side yeah. and in the squad without a shadow of a doubt. But yeah, he's it, it's time really found a bit of form and got a got a run going, and if he does, that's only going to benefit Town. The, one of the questions that was asked in the presser was about, you know, Grant's output and our town too reliant on him, given he's been involved. Is it in over half of town's it's goals? Something like sixty percent of the goals. Yeah, one yeah. way or another. But that's the lack of Pritchard, isn't it? Yeah, that's the thing. It's yeah. the it's what town are having to rely on at the moment. But yeah, the the set piece thing. He was talking about, you know, the little red folder with the, the set piece routines. It's mm. twenty five goals a season. I completely agree with him, and it's 25 goals a season. I would argue Town didn't have in the Wagner era, never mind, yeah. you know, now. So, 
it well, takes time. <laughs> who scored said they've had four from set pieces this season. I only count three. I've looked back through all the goals. I can't work out where they've got the fourth one from. Yeah, unless it's, who, they, it's who scored though. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> unless they're counting that throw in for Grant's goal against Wigan. But anyway. Yeah. But um, yeah, and and that that's sort of the worst in the division, really. Mm. I mean, and, and I had a look back. There's a fantastic fan blog that I found a link. I couldn't find the the stats for League Two for last season anywhere. Yeah. Um, but I found a fan blog that a Lincoln fan had done and it was brilliant it was the end of season review for last year and they had yeah. all the stats and they scored yeah. apparently Lincoln scored 38 goals from set pieces last season yeah. and the fans were moaning that that was a step down from what they'd done the previous year yeah but so. I, I, that doesn't surprise me because Danny and Nicky Cowley are both we've talked about their intensity before and there's things you can control on a pitch and things you can't control on a football pitch. And from a manager's point of view, remember Rafa Benitez talking about this years ago, set pieces are one thing where a manager feels an element of control mm. because you stick to your routines, you do the plans, both defensively and attacking, mm. and managers believe in things that will pay off. So if Town can add that to their armoury second half of the season, I mean, I... I like... I think Town will finish much stronger, obviously, this second half of the season. But I think the one thing you'll see is I think Town will score more goals, not just from set pieces, but I think a couple of new faces, getting Pritchard back fit and fit long term mm. and running the side. And, you know, hopefully Campbell stays fit. But, I mean, even if Campbell's not fit, Town have proved they can cope with that now, which, I mean... Three weeks ago, I would have said it was a far bigger issue than it actually is now. Yeah. So I I expect Town to you know up their goal in, uh, input by probably twenty five percent realistically. Yeah. You look back at some of the narrowest games that we've sat there and done. Town have missed so many chances. You know everybody mm. knows about Kachungas, but there's been other players who've missed mm. solid chances. Second half of the season, I think that will turn round. I really do, and that's that's. That should see that alone should see town into mid-table comfort and security. Yeah, I was going to ask where you see town going because we're halfway through the season now, which is a, yeah. a nice place to, to reflect on it. We asked uh, Danny Kelly about that, and he immediately said, "Oh, well, it's not all my fault." So, <laughs> oh, <I'm... laughs> yeah. which brought a huge laugh in the press room. Yeah, um, but um, yeah, I mean, it's a I was looking at how the league tables have been in previous years. This is about as small a gap as there's been for in the last ten years or so between uh, the between the sort of the promote the playoff yeah. zone and nineteenth, which is where Town are, and it's about as big a gap as there's been between nineteenth and the bottom three. Yeah. So it's a very it's very much of a muchness from you've got the two at the top, yeah. West Brom and, and and I forget who the other team is, someone or other. Um, Ryan's with weeds yeah uh, are up at the top and then it's very much of a muchness I think there's seven points between third and yeah. 13th Leeds and West Brom are the best two teams I've yeah. seen in that division so it's no surprise no. they're up there but everyone else I think there's good teams and there's a few bad teams but the gap between those two things isn't gigantic yeah. I wouldn't say I think the slight problem Town have got in terms of pushing on is they're basically they're seven points from relegation because they're six six points above uh, it's Barnsley who sit yeah. in the, the top place. But, two wins in a row, Barnsley. But they? I think they're six goals better off goal difference wise. So essentially, it's seven points really. Mm. 
So I think they can stop looking that way for a little while anyway. Um, but, you know, you're only a couple of bad results away in, in the championship. Given that they're playing yeah. Middlesbrough and Stoke and Barnes yeah. in the next few games. But I think the slight problem they've got is there's a little bit of a gap to get into that next cluster of teams I think it's I think it's about six points six again, or seven it? I think yeah to, and to, up to keep it's seven points off QPR yeah so QPR uh, it's seven points from 19th to 14th and then yeah. it's only another seven from 14th yeah. to third so I think that I think town's big sort of mission is to try and get into that next cluster yeah. I think to get into that next cluster and then try and push into the next cluster after that is probably unrealistic I mean yeah. championship's a crazy division who yeah. knows it, it could happen but I, think, I, I would agree it's unrealistic I, I just think Town want to finish the season 12th or higher Yeah, that's that's got to be their goal if they finish 13th or 14th I don't think anybody would be beating themselves <laughs> up after the start they had but that needs to be where they finish and then it's all about the summer and yeah. Uh, not giving everybody like a 15 point head start next season like they have this so yeah I I, I always said that they'd be in you know they'd be clear of the relegation zone at this point I think probably by you know by the end of February I think they could well be nudging that that sort of lower mid table group yeah. um, and then who knows really who knows but yeah, uh, the problem with the championship, there comes a point about March where you do start to see mm. a, a gap forming. Yeah. And I think the problem is even if Town are in really fine Too form, it's, it's just they're going to have to beat every team who's above them yeah. as a minimum. And yeah. I mean, that's yeah. it's just not realistic, really. No. But if Town finished 12th this season, you'd have to say that's a massive yeah. result, really. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. What, where do you think they'll finish? I mean, I've done the enough. I've I've looked at if they were to continue their current sort of points per game that they've yeah. had over the last fifty. So Cali's been there for seventeen games. We write off the first two, which yeah. admittedly they yeah. lost, so it's a bit of a false. But let's write them off. Then they're taking one point six points per game. If yeah. they get that through to the end of the season, then I think they'll finish on sixty one or sixty two points. Yeah, which would put them twelfth to fourteenth. Yeah, going going by previous years. Yeah, which seems about right. I mean, when when I did that calculation a few weeks ago, it, they were they were looking at sixteenth. Yeah. So that's that's quite a, an upturn, to be fair. Yeah, but, and I think they usually say it's about forty four points in the championship to make sure you're clear of. Yeah, and Cowley's <laughs> targeting fifty. Cowley's not looking at anything beyond getting to the fifty points. Yeah, and I can understand that because the message he's got to give the players is you're not, we're not. Yeah. Safe. We're not talking about anything until you get to fifty. But things change. Yeah. And targets move. They and do. You. I strongly suspect come the end of January when there is a couple of new faces in there that the Cowleys will change from fifty points to sixty. Yeah. I mean, they may not do it publicly, yeah. but I strongly suspect on the training ground they'll be yeah. drilling into the players where they need to be, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, no. there's nothing wrong with that. But I think they're in a really. I think if you're in that Huddersfield Town squad, and we know there are players who effectively aren't anymore, mm. I think the Cowleys have engineered themselves into such a strong position yeah. with the evidence to back it up that they can pretty much do what they want at the moment. 
Yeah, they'll be given free reign. Yeah, they? yeah. So it's going to be an interesting January. Very yeah. interesting January, I think. And it, it, I don't. We've no idea who they've got lined up. There's still nothing no. solid, nothing concrete, yeah, yeah, nothing rumors, either of us can confirm. But yeah, it's it's interesting. Worth talking about flow for a minute. Yeah, it is. There's, so there's a few players that I think have done really well this is sort of the most heartening thing we're talking about January and obviously it's very exciting to think about who they might bring in yeah. but to me probably more important is the fact that the players that they've inherited so many of them have improved from where they were yeah. at the start of the season I mean you forget now but Janino Bakuna was terrible the oh, first few games he was awful he made us look like idiots because yeah. me and Steve had spent the summer <laughs> telling people he was going to be one of the better midfielders yeah, in was, this division. I was on not the top 20 saying that. Yeah. So, so his first five games, he was wretched. And I think there were caveats and reasons for that. You yeah. know, I know he had one or two personal problems, but Flo was a constant source yeah. of discussion. Yeah. Constant source. And I think it, it's when he's on the left, he hasn't got the confidence to stray out of position like he does on the right because mm. he's not as comfortable. And I think that serves him but not just that you can see there's a player who's putting in yeah. some hard work there and to be fair I don't think you could ever say a flow like you could with one or two other players mm. who are not involved in the squad at the moment I don't think you could ever say with flow oh he's not trying he was always trying yeah he just wasn't very good to, yeah. to, be, to be brutally honest yeah but he he was yeah I mean he was we were talking about who's the man of the match it was one of those games where you could have picked any one of about five mm. players and you'd say yeah okay fair enough the what that you know because there were several that were good. Yeah, uh, Munier, Hoggy, Grabara, Schindler, and mm. Hadas and I was was very much on that list. Yeah, and it, I I think I don't know if he's a natural fit there for the rest of the season. And Jaden Brown came on and got some minutes, which yeah. was very good to see. But suddenly feels more of an option than he did. Uh, you know, e- even four weeks ago, really. He's a useful squad player. Like, if you were playing football manager, yeah, and you saw that you had LB, RB, yeah, LB, RB, ML, yeah, yeah. Uh, and can we, no, we're not going to stick centre mid in there, no, but yeah, I mean, he can play up and down both flanks, he's, yeah. he's shown. I mean, he got that that assist he got when he at set Charlton, up yeah. at Charlton for Matty Daly, that was when he was playing on the left wing, yeah, um, so. And he's played on the right wing for Kosovo, mm. and so I, I, one or two people he's said on the right wing um, for Tony did it against Blackburn. One or two people said, "Oh, he's he's playing for a move." I think that's a bit unfair. Yeah, I think uh, I know we're coming into the transfer window opening and all of that, but I I I think with Flo, there's more to it than that. I think he genuinely realised he was a. I mean, he couldn't. <laughs> you can't escape the Gale Farm groan. Yeah. as Jim Chisholm once said <laughs> and he, he'll he have known he'll have heard the stick he was getting and yeah. you know the, uh, there were games where I go back to that Fulham game where he was out of position so many times and just put his defence under so much pressure continually against a team who really like attacking mm-hmm. hopefully that's out of his system but who knows And then you've got Munier as well, who, yeah, who exactly. the Cowleys really like, but who we've said that longer term there may not be a natural place. Yeah. 
But they've but, said all along he's been Plan B. Yeah. And they've had to play Plan B because Plan A hasn't been available. And he's done pretty well, to be yeah. fair. I mean, he definitely would have... If he hadn't been ill, he definitely would have played against Wigan. Mm. And he did make a big difference when he came on. I mean, the, the, the Wigan lads who were writing for the local papers in Wigan all said after the game, it changed when Munier came on. Yeah. And he almost... You know, if he hadn't had one cleared off the line against Wigan, he would have got the winner there. He, so... He just... The, the problem is that he's, there's still the longer-term issue with Steve Mounier in that when the Cowleys get a Cowley team together, yeah. Mounier, if he stays, he's going to have to play in a different way. He's yeah. going to have to be... I mean, Do that Fraser Campbell thing, isn't he? The, yeah. Running he, around, chasing, chasing down defenders. And he's got to be the first point of the press, but he's also got to throw his weight round better than he does because he can get shoved off the ball way too easily and he can get beaten in the air way too easily but that's been watching a demotivated Steve Mounier and watching yeah, a motivated Steve Mounier is a very different thing we've talked before about what a sort of a confidence player Janine Bakuna yeah. is and I yeah. think Mounier is very much the same I mean he, he, that's his first goal since February when he got yeah. the win against Wolves uh, mind you, he didn't exactly kick on after that but the, you can't really blame any time no. player for not, not no. kicking on in those I've, I've already had a fiver on him any time against Borough. Have you really? Yeah, because I just, I think you're exactly right. I think he's a confidence player. And I think that goal, it wasn't like the Kachunga celebration where it felt like it meant everything. Mm. And unfortunately for Kachunga, he's then missed a couple since then instead mm. of sort of kicking on and scoring. I think with Mounier, it was his celebration was actually quite calm, quite relaxed, quite measured. And I thought, there's a player who knows he's just got the last monkey off his back yeah. and he can now get back to focusing on <laughs> you know doing mm. what he does best yeah so i yeah it wouldn't surprise me if he put a little run together and but it's it is just that thing like the cowleys have repeatedly said they want a 4231 yeah and i just don't think mounier fits but it's whether he can force it get them yeah. to the point where it's this is force it. them if, to stick with the four four. If he goes and scores four goals in five games, yeah, it's very, suddenly very difficult to yeah to drop him. But Town played to him much better, like obviously much better, didn't they? I yeah. thought against Forest as well. And Danny Cowley has also talked about that if you play Steve Mounier, you have to play football that suits Steve Mounier. Yeah, you have so, to have the fullbacks going in and getting the diagonals to him. And yeah, yeah. so. I think they see him as a viable option, but I I still think longer term there's question marks over whether in what Cowley wants, which is a really tight squad ultimately, a 22-man squad supplemented by some youth players, mm. is Cowley your is Mounier your number two striker when you have to change your entire yeah. system? The the other issue with it with playing Mounier is they prefer much prefer Colin Grant on the left, yeah, rather than as a central striker, so. You could, I mean, I know he's played four four two, and he's played just like the split when they've mm. had the split strikers. But the whole point of having Mounier is that you need the other centre forward quite yeah. close alongside him to get the knockdowns. You can't have him drifting out to the wing, yeah, with no with and leaving Mounier with no one to play it into. So yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll but again, at the moment, it's horses for courses. Just it is. just play whatever football gets you. Yeah. Well. I mean, seven points from from yeah. out of a, a possible nine from the last three games, and this is the game that we said. When we looked at this run of fixtures, they're on. Probably, if there's one game they could afford to lose, it was Forest. Yeah, and uh, and they've won it. So yeah, I mean that that it doesn't buy them 
it doesn't buy them a win anywhere else be, except maybe Blackburn yeah um, it doesn't you know it doesn't let them off the hook if they were to lose to, no. to Borough or Stoke or Barnsley I, I think the op- I think what it does allow them to do is look at that Borough game and think we can afford to get a point here yeah and a point would actually feel like yeah. a good result rather yeah. than another point in a game they yeah. needed three so I think that's quite a big thing and I still think that's a bit of a banana skin that Borough game. Mm. I they I still think Borough are far better than their current position. They played well on Friday, didn't they against? Stoke? They did. They they didn't start well, but they grew into the game. They changed uh, their shape, didn't they? Yeah, time. they they went from a five to a four basically in the back, or depending how you want to define it, a yeah. three to a four, and they look better and they look more comfortable, but. Again, slightly like Forest, they've got lots and lots of good players. They may have just stumbled on a way of playing them um, just before they play town. So, I don't know, it, it feels a very tricky game. That And Boxing Day is a weird day as football yeah. as well. Weird things happen, so who We're knows? Looking forward to seeing that uh, increasingly grainy JPEG of... Boxing Day 1958 or whatever it is that gets shared. Oh, that, yeah, the, where there's about a million goals in yeah. the first division. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. But uh, well, <laughs> even if you didn't, I'm sure you'll be seeing it 50 times on your timeline on Thursday. So yeah, so I I I don't know. We'll we'll see with the the Borough game, but the the Blackburn game on Sunday su- suddenly feels quite winnable as well. Yeah. Um, but again. Four points out of those two, even yeah. two points wouldn't be a disaster, yeah. in truth. Or yeah. even three points out of those two wouldn't be a disaster, but we'll see. I'm I'm concerned about that Borough game. Yeah, I think, again, what we said last week, better for them to beat Borough and lose to Blackburn than the other way around, I think, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure that'll be the way it is, though. <laughs> but we'll we'll see, we'll see. The other bit of news this week, which we should touch briefly on, is uh, is Neil Hart doing his U-turn on mm. the chief exec role. That uh, feels like a long time ago now, yeah. uh, but it was just last week. Um, so he had agreed to join from Burnley in the community, and then Burnley's own chief exec has then left to go and take a job at the to be CEO at the EFL. Yeah. So then Hart has then turned around to town and said, actually, I'm going to take this Burnley job. Yeah. Obviously, Huddersfield not very happy, and you can completely understand the mm. position they're in. The contract's been signed; a deal is a deal. But yep. what's your take on the whole situation? Uh, if he if he don't want to be here, fine, yeah. let him let him go. But he he hasn't come out of it with any credit personally. No. You know, I'm sure Burnley fans won't care, but there is a world wider world of football beyond that. Yeah, giving back word is a pretty crappy thing to do, in yeah. truth, and to do it in such a sort of public way as well yeah. when you know the contracts are done pieces up on the website yeah. examiners reporting it I know you were in touch with people at Burnley trying to find out a bit about him to get some sort of profile on him yeah. etc if, he, if he's going to do that then he's not the right man for the role but yeah. I, like I can't I don't know in a funny sort of way I can't worry for town too much with it because I think they've still got time yeah. They've still got a bloke there. I mean, Hart wasn't going to come in until March anyway, yeah, was it? Right, yeah. They they will find someone. I'm sure there is. I'm sure Hart was 
one of a couple of viable candidates yeah even if they have to start the process all over again i think there's lots and lots of people i've, I've said to you i think the best ceos in football you no idea who they are yeah there's you a reason them after they start there's a reason we know all know who edward wood jr is <laughs> i'm not going to be cruel enough to say the same about julian wins but i know there'll be people listening to this podcast making that leap I think town will find the right person and I think they'll find somebody who can just quietly get about the job mm -hmm. and uh, yeah you know it, it's just it's another thing the fans just have to be patient with and just have to have a bit of trust in because we we know a little bit behind the scenes as well everything has changed yeah <laughs> literally everything top to bottom so my only concern with this situation I, I think it's I think it is kind of one of those things and you know I, I agree it's not good to give back word I do understand from his perspective he's probably been waiting for that Burnley job yeah. for years yeah. and he knows it's not going to come again and it had only been four days he wasn't expecting the job to become available all of those things I'm not but I also agree with the club's position that that, that it's not the done thing uh, mm. and everything that you just said my only concern is and I think hopefully we're well past this now but I think if this had happened in August, say, yeah. you can only imagine the stick that the club would have got yeah. from a lot of the fans who were, who were looking for anything they could to certain fans to, to beat the club. Well, let, the let's be honest, not just... We're using the club as an entity. <laughs> what we're really talking about is Phil. Yeah, yeah, Phil Hodgkinson. So, yeah, there were, you know, I think it would have... If that had happened in August, that mm. you can only imagine the messages that would have been going Phil Hodgkinson's way. Yeah. It's, but I think it's worth stressing it's absolutely not the club's fault. No. It's not Phil Hodgkinson's fault. No. It's, so if things do go south again, this definitely, you, you know, you can point at the recruitment, and mm. I think that's valid that they've done this summer and the previous summer. Uh, the There's plenty of things that you can have yeah. point, point the finger at with Huddersfield Town and say they've got that wrong, but this isn't one of them no I, the other thing is potentially if this had happened sooner and they'd got heart and this guy goes to the EFL anyway there's no guarantee Burnley wouldn't have approached him mm. and Town would have just had a CEO for like two months yeah. who de then decided he was going to go back to Burnley so not not the right man for the job yeah. we there's no point sitting here and slagging him off. It's not like we had heard behind the scenes he was wrong or anything like that because we we didn't. You know, he's, he seems to have done a very good job at Burnley in the community and there's a reason Town wanted to employ him. But yeah. he hasn't emerged from it with any no. credit um, and it's quite a public thing, quite a public mark against his name going forward. Yeah. So, you know, it it is, it is what it is, as they say. Yeah. Um, but Town will find someone. I might apply. You fancy it? Not especially, to be honest. Too busy here, right? Yeah, exactly. I've got enough on my plate. Someone's got to look after Mel. <laughs> exactly. He's, he's uh, well. Mel's going to be away in South Africa for another couple of weeks. So, uh, yeah, I'll be looking after you all, lucky readers, over the next few weeks or so. Um, but yeah, so excellent. Thank you for coming in again, David. Over no problem. the Christmas schedule. What have you got planned for Christmas? Just going to eat. Eaten. That's basically just it. Ignore your family. Head down. Yeah, just eat. It's a marathon, not a sprint. So you've got to pace yourself. But yeah, from from tomorrow morning, Christmas Eve, I expect to have a fork in me until early January. Excellent. Do you have any top tips for, uh, for for anyone who's sort of nervous about how to pace themselves properly? 
I cannot stress this enough. If there's, if you take no other lesson from anything I say on this podcast, on Christmas Day, take your eating shorts. Elasticated waist is your friend. Everybody likes wearing jeans and a nice top for Christmas Day, but the minute you can take them off and switch to shorts, the better. Shorts, oh, not yeah. even jogging bottoms. No, it's eating shorts all the way. Excellent. Are they sort of swimming shorts as well? So if there's any sort of stray gravy, then it's wiped clean surface. No, there's no underpant lining. <laughs> Just a pure short. Okay, lovely. <laughs> Top tip there from David Hartrick, and I'm Stephen Chicken, and we'll. I, I'm pretty sure we won't be recording until the new year. Now, <laughs> I think probably safe to say. I we we I may know. do. We if may they, do, but if I, they if they beat Borough and Blackburn, maybe we'll uh, squeeze one out. But yeah. Well, probably not the right way to say it. <laughs> Given that we've just been talking about the eating yeah. shorts. But either way, we'll be back with you shortly. Yeah. Have a good Christmas and a happy new year. Hooray. <laughs>